witness to the Lord Jesus Christ. Send the light. Uh, uh, reach out to those that are lost. We've, we've had missionary songs this morning. We've had encouragement songs this morning. I don't know about y'all, but I'm glad I came to church. You know, I can't imagine anywhere I'd rather be on New Year's Day than in the Lord's house around God's people. We do need to pray for one another. I still see that we've got a lot of folk that are gone. We've got a lot of people that are out sick. We've got a lot of people that are traveling the world, I guess, uh, visiting and taking vacation, and certainly don't begrudge them that. But uh, we've also got some folks visiting with us this morning. I think we've got some folks that are missionaries to the heathen state of Lamar University. Good to have them here, right? Uh, <laughs> good to have them back home uh, for the holidays. We've got some from the heathen place at Valverde Baptist Church in Groves, Texas, I think. Uh, so it's good to have you folk here. So Several of our folk from Missouri, and I don't know where all. Right, so it's good to have in Chicago, I think. Right, so good to have you folks today. I trust that you've come expecting to receive a blessing from the Lord, expecting to have your heart stirred by the Word of God, and with the commitment to obey the Lord, no matter how you should lead. God is good, isn't He? Amen. Amen. I open your Bibles, if you would please, to First Thessalonians chapter five. First Thessalonians chapter five. Somebody asked me why we didn't have a watch night service last night. Uh, there are two reasons for that, you understand. One is because I am who I am, and I like to go to sleep at 10 o'clock, at least, right? Uh, my, my, my gills start turning orange about 9, and by, by 10 or 11 o'clock, I'm fully pumpkinized, and so I like to be in, in my bed. But beyond that, I also know that if we have a watch night service on Saturday night, you guys are going to show up on Sunday morning, right? Well, y'all will, but some of them won't. And so, anyway, I do appreciate you coming and being here as a part of our New Year's celebration uh, on New Year's Day in the Lord's house. Stand with me, if you would, please, once you've found First Thessalonians chapter 5. I'm going to begin reading verse 1. First Thessalonians chapter 5, beginning in verse 1, the Bible says this, But of the times and seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say, Peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them, as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all the children of light, and the children of the day. We are not of the night, nor of the darkness. Therefore let us not sleep, as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet the hope of salvation. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Father, thank you so much for bringing us here to your house. I thank you for the faithfulness of these, your people. And Lord, we thank you for the tie that binds us the spirit that dwells within us, and the love that you've given to us one for another. I do pray for those that could not be here this morning for whatever reason. Lord, you know what's going on in people's lives, and I just pray that you would work in them, and that you would speak to the ones that are here, and that, Lord, you would encourage us. We know that there's no one here by accident. Everyone that has come has come because you've brought them, and we've come because you've got something that you want to do in us. I pray that today will not just be another service. 
that we'll not just go through the routines that we go through or move through the motions, but rather that we will meet with you who are the true and living God. And, Lord, that our hearts and minds would be open and receptive to you and that you would move freely in our midst and that you would draw us to yourself, that you convict us of sin where that's necessary. Give us a dedication to holiness and a dedication to uh, serve you more effectively and more faithfully. And I pray that you give us a love for the souls that live around us every day. Lord, as your vessel this morning, I ask for forgiveness of sins. I ask you for fullness of your spirit. And I pray there will not be anything in me that would hinder your word as it goes forth, but rather that your word would, according to your promise, accomplish the purpose whereto it was sent. And, Lord, that you would be exalted in it. We thank you for what you have done, what you're going to do. We give this service to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, folks. You may be seated. Well, Happy New Year. We say that out of obligation, but we also say it because uh, we hope and pray that God is going to bless you through, uh, the, through the coming year. What a wonderful day, a way, as I've already stated, to start out the new year. I, I can't imagine. Now, listen, I'll be real honest with you, okay? I don't like it when Christmas falls on Sunday, but I love it when New Year falls on Sunday. Because this is a time when we can surrender our lives to the Lord and don't misunderstand those of us that were here last week. We had a great time. And it's, it's always a fascinating thing to me that a lot of people want to kind of exclude the Lord on the day that ostensibly is his birthday. But nonetheless, uh, though some of us were here, a lot of us were here, and we had a great day of fellowship around the Lord. But New Year's Day is a kind of a special time. It's a time of renewal. For many in the world, it's a time when we look around us and see the things that we've gone through and the things that need to be changed. I'm so glad that you've chosen to include us today, and more importantly, to include the Lord in this opening to your new year. New Year's Day is, quite frankly, a little bit difficult to prepare a special sermon for, not because there isn't anything to talk about, but rather because there's too much to talk about. Uh, There's so many things, so many different directions that we could go. There's so much to remember about the year that we've just finished. There's so many things that we'd like to see accomplished during the year that's yet to come. I recognize that in many ways New Year's Day is just another day and that this is just another page on the calendar, if you will, or maybe a new calendar to hang on your wall. At the same time, however, it's always good to have a fresh start, a new beginning point, a clean slate if you will. That obviously is one of the great things about belonging to the Lord. The Bible tells us that we have a clean slate. Every day that we wake up and begin and we turn it over to God, every day is a new beginning. All of our sins are washed away. They're under the blood of the Lamb. And so we are the saints of the Most High God. For our purposes today, however, let us recognize that in many ways the new year draws our attention to some things that need to be changed some that need to be improved upon, and some that need to be left just as they are. My challenge today will be to keep the biblical perspective as we talk about such things. The passage that we've read this morning in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 is not normally a passage that people would consider a New Year's Day passage. However, I found that all of the Scripture is applicable just about all of the time, if we'll let it be. And I've seen some exciting things in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and actually we're going to use this kind of as a springboard to go into some other places in Scripture as well. My challenge today would be to keep a biblical perspective as we talk about the things that need to be changed and the things that need to be improved upon and the things that need to be left alone. 
The passage that we read this morning gives us an admonition that is given to several different in several different ways in various parts of the Bible. The admonition is to be sober and to watch. In fact, if you will look in verse number 5, the Bible says, You are all children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the light, night of the darkness, nor of the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. Let us watch and be sober. The admonition is to vigilance. The admonition is to look earnestly at where we have been and where we're going and the things around us. And so we arrive in a rather roundabout fashion to the subject of today's message, where to look in the new year. We're going to have a hard time seeing this on the board, on the walls, I can tell already. But hopefully you can read this and you can, it'll be a blessing to you. And if not, then you've always got your Bibles, right? Amen. How many of you brought your Bibles today? Can I see them? Can you hold them up for me? I just kind of like to see those things. Amen. Praise God. I'm glad that I belong to a church that believes in the Bible. Amen. It is, the, it is God's book for us. It's our instructions for life, and it is the very living Word of God. And so I appreciate you folks for bringing those today. And so uh, we can always fall back on the old crutch of looking it up in the Bible and reading it that way, right? <laughs> now, hopefully, some of you like to do that anyway. One of the reasons we put it on the board is just so that you can uh, follow along a little bit more rapidly. Somebody accused me of talking too fast. I don't know what they were talking about. Uh, but anyway, moving on. That rabbit's gone. Uh, <laughs> we're right. Where do we look in the new year? These are looks that are truly necessary if any real change is to come about. The Christian life is all about improving, getting better, representing Christ in the world. If we're to make improvements, then where are we to look? And so that's the challenge and that's the question that we asked this morning. And we're not going to give anything novel this morning. Most of you have probably heard uh, talks or messages along these concepts before. That's all right. It's all in the Bible, so it's all good, right? First thing I want to talk to you about is to look behind you. Look behind you. It's always good to remember the things that God has brought us through. We look back in remembrance. In fact, if you go back to 1 Thessalonians, our text this morning in verse number 4, the Bible says there, But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. Why do you suppose God put that in there? Ye, brethren, are not in darkness. I remember the day when I was in darkness. I remember the time when God's, the, the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ shone into my life and I began to see things as they were for the first time. And I think it's good as we look back on the past, as we look forward into a new year, to remember the greatness of our salvation. If you go to Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 11, the Bible says, Wherefore remember that ye being in time past Gentiles according to the flesh, or in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision, by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, and that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, ye who were sometimes afar off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. You know what my favorite part of Ephesians chapter 2, especially verses 11 and 12 are? My favorite part of those two verses is that they're written in the past tense. This is what you were. He says, you were in time past Gentiles, according to the flesh. You were aliens from God and from the commonwealth of Israel. You were strangers from the covenants of the promise. You had no hope. That's what we were. And by the way, I think it's good for us from time to time to remember how bad things were before we met Christ. Right? Right? Sometimes we get a little bit down in the mouth, don't we? 
All right, you don't, I do. Sometimes we get a little bit discouraged and we look around us and we think, man, this Christian life is hard. And it is. It's a battle and God talks about it constantly as a battle. A battle of a spiritual nature. But at the same time, we can gain a victory or a measure of victory when we look back at the place where we were and what God has brought us out of. So we were times past, God's salvation is the greatest thing to ever happen to any of us. Some of you trusted Christ perhaps this past year. Many of us trusted Christ many years ago. And yet as the calendar page turns over, it's good to remind ourselves of the greatness of God's salvation. It's good to remind ourselves of the blessings and the victories of a year that is past. First Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 3, the Apostle Paul writing there under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God is writing to the church at Thessalonica. And he says to them in verse 3 of chapter 1, Remembering without ceasing your work of faith, your labor of love, your patience of hope in our Lord Jesus in the sight of God and our Father. Paul is writing to them and he's saying, you know what? You've got a lot of good things about your church. There's a lot of things that you've done that have been pleasing to the Lord. There are things that God has done in you that are very positive things. And I have to look at these verses and say once again, I'm so glad that God has made me a part of First Baptist Church of Webster. I'm glad that God has given us a church that is a church that's serious about serving God, a church that loves the Word of God, a church that loves one another, knock on wood, A church that loves the world around us and the the souls of men not only here but around the world. And I praise God for your work of faith and your labor of love and your patience of spirit and of hope in the Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God and our Father. But as we remember the blessings and victories of a year past, many of you individually have won some very important spiritual battles over the last year. All of us have faced battles. Have I told you that recently? Everyone, by the way, if you're not in a battle right now, you're either coming out of one or you're getting ready to go into one, and sometimes all three at the same time, right? We're engaged in fighting an enemy that's real, but many of us have won great spiritual victories over the last year. There, some of you have passed some life milestones. You know, I don't know about the rest of you, but I had another birthday this year. Uh, don't look at me in that tone of voice. I'm not telling you how old I am. Right? Old enough that my hair's turned gray. Let's put it that way, right? But we've also, we've passed some milestones in our lives. Well, we've experienced perhaps some material blessings and, and sometimes some material setbacks. We've seen some souls saved. I praise God for every single soul that was saved. Now, I'll be honest with you. Last year, about this time, I was standing in this place and said, and gave you a goal. I gave you something that I would like to see as far as the number of souls saved. We didn't quite get there, but we had some people saved this year. And every one of them is precious in the sight of the Lord. The Bible says there's great rejoicing in heaven over one soul that repenteth and turns to the Lord. And so it's worth it all when one comes to Christ. And so we've had a lot of victories individually in our lives. We've had a lot of victories as families. I've seen some of the victories and experienced some of them with some of the families in our church. Some of your victories and some of your blessings have been private blessings. But I think every one of us would have to admit that God has worked in our families this year. There's been growth in relationship. There have been other types of advances. There have been changes in our home dynamics. And God's working through it all, right? And those are good things, those things to remember. Look back over the year in our church, and there are some areas in our church where there's been some stability that has been gained. We praise God for that. 
We've reached a new level of maturity in many areas. We have had some souls saved. We've, we've had some success and some events that we've done. Uh, the cantata, the Christmas cantata this past year, we actually saw better attendance both Saturday night and Sunday night than we have in a long time. And a lot of people were touched in our community because of that outreach. And so uh, the daughter churches, and I use the plural there because God has worked in us to, to establish not but one but several uh, other churches in our area. One is a Spanish church. One is another uh, church on the northeast side, uh, excuse me, northwest side of Houston. We've got a brand new one that's starting out here in our facility, and God's blessing them. Brother Dominique is doing a great job uh, with the church plant here. They've got a name now. I can't say it. But they, what is it? Mosaic, mosaic. There you go. I want to say it in Spanish, mosaico. <laughs> it's, it's Mosaic Christian Fellowship Baptist Church. Now, that's a mouthful. Can you imagine putting that on a business card? <laughs> there you go. Uh, but they have a name, and they're, they're looking at a lot of uh, other things going forward from here. So God's blessed. It's been a good year, and we need to remember those things. Now, by the way, there have been some stumbles, stumbles and failures as well, haven't there? Can I remind you that it's good to remember your failures? Not in the sense of agonizing over them and getting all depressed and saying, woe is me for I'm undone. Uh, or, you know, getting all, uh, having the kind of a pity party that a lot of us fall, have in, uh, fall into. But we need to remember our failures sometimes so that we can remember how God got us through those things. I want to draw your attention, if I may, to Revelation chapter 2 and verse 5. If you can see it here, I hope you can. Otherwise, you can read it in your Bible. Revelation chapter 2, verse 5, the Bible says this, Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen. And repent and do the first works, or I will come, else I will come to thee quickly and will remove thy candlestick out of its place, except thou repent. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 3, Remember thou for, therefore how thou hast received and heard and hold fast and repent. If therefore thou shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief, and thou shalt know what hour. Thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. Remember. From whence you're fallen, remember uh, what you've received and heard. Remember the battles that you've been through, even the ones in which you didn't necessarily gain the victory. You understand, folks, and I've got to give you this before we move on. I will remind you here that we're already assured of ultimate victory, right? We knew, we, we read the back of the book and we win, right? We understand uh, how God is going to bring it all to pass, and we already have the promise of the Lord that everything works together for good to those that love God, and those are the called according to his purpose. And he even tells us what that good is, that we might be conformed to the image of his dear son. Romans chapter 8, verse 29. And so we, we know that God's working in us, but I'll be honest with you, I don't win every battle I go into. Every skirmish. Uh, so, in fact, you know what? It's true confession time, so this is a little bit embarrassing to me, but... There are a lot of the battles that I have to fight over and over again. And, and it seems like every time, I, you know, I wake myself up the next day or two and I'm shaking myself up from a knockout and I'm thinking, what in the world happened? And kind of dust myself off and go back in and make the same mistakes all over again. That ever happened to you? You know why? Sometimes it's because we forget. We don't remember that there are some failures, there's some struggles along the way, and we have to remember our utter dependence on the Lord in those times. Remember, failures can be a positive thing if we remember and apply the lessons that we've learned. And I've mentioned to you a number of times before that if you fail the test the first time, guess what? You get to take it again, right? And you get to keep taking it until you pass, and then you go on to the next bigger and better test that the Lord allows to come into our lives. Not remembering that causes us to repeat the failures in our lives. And so I challenge you, as you're looking back, remember those things. 
But I also want to challenge you to look back in vigilance. And I know that's kind of the same thing, right? Vigilance is being watchful, being, uh, being attentive, looking around you. But I remind you that the Bible still talks about a real adversary in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8. The Bible says there in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8, uh, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. I wish I could stand here this morning and tell you, you know what, there's nothing to worry about. There's nothing to be afraid of. But if I told you that, it would be a lie. God says, no, you be on your guard. You, you be sober. You stay in your right mind. You stay vigilant. You watch all the time because you have a real adversary out there. He's called the devil. He's called Satan. He's called the accuser of our brethren. And he's out there seeking who may may devour. He's still very real. And by the way, Christian, he will sneak up behind you whenever your guard is down. As soon as you get distracted by the things of the world, as soon as you get distracted by other little petty things that are going on in your life, then you're going to be blindsided by the devil. He loves to sneak up behind people and get them where, they, uh, where they're least defensive. He doesn't like a vibrant, soul-winning, effectively ministering church. And he doesn't like a Christian who's living a life that's dedicated fully to the Lord. And so I want you to be sure as you look back that you're watching behind you for the devil. All right? But uh, thankfully, we don't only look behind us. And I know the natural next place would be to look forward, right? We look back, now let's look forward. We're not going to go there yet. Because I think before we look forward, we have to look up. We have to remember the one by whose name we are called. The Bible tells us here in our text that we started in this morning, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 2, For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. Verses 9 and 10, For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. We need to spend a great deal of our time in this new year looking up. We need to look up to our Redeemer. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 28, But so, uh, so Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. And unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. There are so many places we could go in the scripture that talk about Christ our Redeemer. That once Jesus, and we've talked about this before. In fact, over the last week, uh, the last week uh, right after Christmas or right during Christmas, we were talking about the exaltation of our Lord Jesus Christ and the fact that he's now seated at the right hand of the Father. And the Bible tells us that there he ever liveth to make intercession for us. I praise God that the, that the story of Christ didn't end in his humiliation. It ended in his exaltation and will end as he is ultimately exalted over Lord over all. But we look to our Redeemer in gratitude. Those of us who were already redeemed, we look to him in grateful, with grateful hearts because of the sins that he's washed away. Isaiah 51 and verse 1 says this, Hearken to me, ye that follow after righteousness. Ye that seek the Lord, look unto the rock from which you are hewn and to the hole of the pit. Which you're digged. Look to the hole of the pit from which you're digged. Look to the place that God has brought you out of. Can you remember how things were before you met Christ? 
Now listen, I don't think that we ought to look back as many times the people of Israel did as they were wandering in the wilderness. You remember that story? They were wandering in the wilderness and we find the people of Israel murmuring about many things. They're always complaining about God not doing his job well enough to their opinion. Uh, And one of the things that they complained about is they would look back longingly toward Egypt and they would say, oh man, I wish we had the leeks and the garlics and the onions. Of all things to wish for. <laughs> that I, I wish we could eat like we could eat when we, like we ate when we were there in, in Egypt. They kind of forgot conveniently that they were slaves in Egypt. They kind of forgot that they didn't have time to eat most of the time because they were too busy making bricks. Uh, for their for their uh, oppressive taskmasters, they they forgot really the pit from which they were digged, and all they could think about was, man, they had leeks and garlics and onions back there in Egypt, and they're wandering around in the wilderness eating this nasty stuff called manna. You understand? I'm being a little bit facetious. This was the greatest thing God ever gave to man to eat. It came directly down from God, and the Bible calls it oftentimes uh, uh, angel food. There you go, first angel's food cake, right? <laughs> when, they, when they made it out of manna, perhaps. Uh, but the thing is that the people complained. Why? Because they forgot to look to God in gratitude. We need to look up uh, to our Redeemer for salvation. If you have not yet been redeemed, if you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, the Bible gives us an admonition in Isaiah 45 and verse 22, where he says, Look unto me, and be ye saved all the ends of the earth. For I am God, and there is none else. So we look up to the Redeemer. We look up to the exalted Christ, the one who has been lifted up. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, one of my favorite passages in the Bible. The Bible says here, uh, uh, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. And then verse 2, looking unto Jesus the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Listen, folks, there's a reason for you to look up. The reason is because upward is where your Redeemer is. But it's also uh, the reason is because upward is where the exalted Christ sits at the right hand of the throne of God on high. And oh, by the way, I, I catch myself sometimes, and hopefully you do as well, wandering around through the course of the day and just kind of glancing up casually as if I'm expecting something from there. You know why? Because I am. As I'm looking up, I'm looking forward to our returning king. The Bible talks about this here in our text. The Bible says there, uh, for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as the thief in the night. And the Bible says in verse 10, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together for him, with him. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also you do. We look up Philippians chapter 3 and verse 20, where the Bible tells us, for our conversation is in heaven. Now, by the way, this is an old-fashioned word. When it says conversation in our King James Bible, it's not talking about the way you talk, although that's included in it. Okay, He's talking about the way you live. Our conversation, our citizenship, our way of life, if you will, is in heaven from whence also we look for the Savior, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. So we're looking up for the return of the Lord. Listen, folks, do you think Jesus might come again in 2017? If you don't, you haven't read your Bible. Somebody said, well, I'm waiting for the fulfillment of all the signs. Listen, folks, all those signs were fulfilled in the first century. 
There's nothing left to be done before Jesus can come again. And he's coming again to catch his own away, according to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And then about seven years later, he's coming back with his saints to rule and reign and establish his glorious reign here on this earth. I'm looking forward to being a part of that. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 10, the Bible says to wait for his son from heaven, um, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. Matthew chapter 25 and verse 13, Watch therefore, for ye know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. In Titus chapter 2 and verse 13, Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. My challenge, folks, as we go into 2017 is, yes, let's look back on some of the things that God has done in our lives and some of the, the progress that we've made and indeed some of the failures that we've had over the last year. But in looking back, let's not forget to look up. Because as we look up, we see or we focus our attention on our Redeemer. We focus our, redemption, our, our attention on the exalted Lord. We focus our, re, our attention on the one who's coming again. And I'm convinced that he may just come. Listen, it would be all right with me if we didn't get very far in 2017 at all. In fact, uh, it wouldn't bother me a bit if I didn't finish this sermon. You know, if the Lord comes back and catches us away, then somebody else, one of y'all can come up here and finish the sermon for us. All right, no, you're not going to be here either, right? Most of you, hopefully. We're going to go to the Lord. We're going to go to the Lord. Uh, And so we're looking forward to our returning king. But let me challenge you as we move on where to look. You look behind you and you look above you, but you also need to look around you. Look around you. Folks, the world is not yet saved. The, the, the end is not yet attained. There are still people that live around us that are lost without hope in this world. We need to look around us. We need to come out of our shells sometimes. We need to get outside of the four walls of this church building and look at the world as a world that's in need of something more sustainable than a political campaign, something that is eternal in its nature. Something that literally transforms the individual. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 21. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 21. For after that the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Have I told you recently that I'm not the only one in this church that ought to be preaching? And you understand that most of the preaching is not done behind a pulpit like this one. Most of the preaching that we as God's servants do is out there on the job place or out there in our, our places of education or out there on the streets and in the mall. Listen, some of you spend an inordinate amount of attention or time in the malls. You ought to carry the gospel of Jesus when you go, right? And preach and tell people that Jesus loves them and that Jesus Christ came to the world to die in their place and that they stand per- currently condemned before God, but they don't have to stay there because of the great God, of the love of our Savior. Mark chapter 16 and verse 15, and he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Once again, I remind you that I'm excited that our church, I'm looking at our, our missions board over here. We light up a light every time. Uh, each one of those lights represents approximately $2,000 uh, that has come in through our Faith Promise missions uh, giving through the year beginning the 1st of April. And so most of you can tell we're 34 weeks uh, into it. Uh, we've got 34 lights lit. Uh, 52 is the total at the end of the year, and right now we're on a pace to break our commitment. So we pray that that will be the case. You know what? Every one of those lives represents the gospel being preached in foreign countries, in foreign places, other places where our missionaries go that we can't go. 
and the gospel is being carried. But it's a shame sometimes that we send the missionaries to preach the gospel to the uttermost parts of the earth, and we won't go to the uttermost part of our street to tell people about the love of Jesus Christ. So look around you to the lost that you have contact with. Here's one that may not be necessarily very encouraging to some of us. But I think 2017 is a great year to look around you to your offended brother. I don't want to dwell on this for a long time, but the sad reality is that in any community of faith, any place where people get together as we do, and any time there are more than two or three, the Bible promises us that where two or three are gathered together in my name, there will I be in the midst of them. But what he doesn't go so far as to say is that many times when there are two or three gathered together, there are disagreements and heartaches and discord. I thank the Lord that we have not been known at this church as a church of discord, but I also know that you've got feelings, and some of you like to read each other's minds, and some of you like to have other folks read your minds, and all those other kinds of things, and some of you like to sit in the same pew every week. Brother Tommy, thank you so much for moving. (laughs) He confused me so much this morning. I looked over there, and he's the only one sitting over there, Brother Frankovich. And I think, well, wait a minute. He's out of place. He's supposed to be. (laughs) But we kind of get set in our ways, don't we? Uh, the point that I'm trying to make is sometimes we, we offend one another. Now, one of these days I'm going to talk to you about the nature of offense. But for now, all I want to point out to you is that in looking around you for the new year, remember what the Bible says in Matthew chapter 5, verses 23 and 24. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother hath aught against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. First be reconciled. And then serve God. Make sure things are right between you. Do you know that having some kind of, uh, uh, of a, a disturbance or a hindrance between you and your brother in Christ or your sister in Christ can literally hinder your prayers? You can't have the right kind of relationship to God if your relationship with your brothers and sisters in Christ is not right. Somebody says, well, who, who's supposed to go, the offender or the offended? And the answer is yes. Absolutely. You ought to be, uh, ideally, you ought to be meeting in the middle somewhere, right? I'm starting out to make things right with you, and you're starting out to make things right with me, and we pass each other on the street, right? That's the way it's supposed to be. And you make things right. You, go to your, you look around you at your offended brother, and you make sure that going into 2017 with everything good and pure and right and clean. And then I think you ought to look around you to a potential friend. Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 24, the Bible says that a man that hath friends must show himself friendly. And there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. The best friend that I can be to another individual is to introduce him or her to the Lord Jesus Christ. To show them the way of salvation. I don't know about you. Now listen, some of us are withdrawn and shy. Right? Kind of like me. Well, maybe not. Kind of like my wife, maybe. Right? <laughs> some, some folks are a little bit more uh, withdrawn than others. But the point is that we need to be looking out around us for someone who would be a potential friend, that we can befriend and show the way of righteousness and just kind of help them along the way, that we can lend an encouraging hand. And we had a message not too long ago about encouragement, so I won't go too much into that. The point is that we need to learn to look around us in this coming year. I'm not going to finish this sermon this morning, but let me give you the last points, okay? And then we'll go from there. Uh, Look within you. This is very important. Before you look forward, you need to look within. How are things between you and God? I mean, really. It's awfully easy sometimes to wear the facade, isn't it? To wear the mask, to make everything, everybody around. We come in on Sunday morning and we've got the big smile on our face. And, oh, brother, it's so good to see you this morning. And by the way, it is. 
But nobody really knows what's going on behind the scenes. Nobody really knows what's going on deep down in the depths of our own hearts and souls. And so I want to challenge you in the coming year, and and we'll probably talk about this a little bit more next week, to look within you. Put on the whole armor of God. Prepare yourself to live holy, righteous lives before the Lord. Make sure that things are right between you and Him. Yield to full holiness. Next week, God willing, I want to give you four tests of behavior. How do you decide whether something is the right thing to do or not? And so we'll look at that. So you need to look within you, and then ultimately, you look ahead of you. I want to take you to Philippians chapter 3 and verse 14. I'm not going to put it on the wall. But Philippians chapter 3 verse 14 says this, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Now, in this particular passage in Philippians chapter 3, I've encouraged you earlier to remember the things that are behind, but you do that with a very specific goal in mind. In Philippians chapter 3, he says, I forget those things that are behind. In this particular sense, he's talking about forgetting the discouragement that goes along with it, forgetting the failures in the sense of allowing them to bring me back down again. I forget those things that are behind and always pressing toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Understanding that we are not here for this year or next year or the years to come. We're not here for anything related to temporal existence. We are the eternal citizens of heaven. And when somebody see, please say amen. <laughs> I know, you're kind of fishing for that, right? But I hope you understand what we're talking about, folks. Listen, our focus isn't here. Our focus is in heaven above. And so as we look ahead, we're looking forward to a year of more zeal for souls, more souls personally won. Uh, you know what? I'd like to challenge every one of you to win somebody to Christ this year. You say, oh, preacher, I could never do that. You don't know. You've never tried. Well, some of you have. You might be surprised how many would come if you'd just try uh, and present to them the Lord Jesus. At least invite somebody to church. Surely you can do that. Shall I ask for a show of hands? No, I won't do that. But let's, let's, let's point someone to Christ this year. I'm praying that the Lord will give us a year of true growth, both numerically and spiritually as a church, that all these empty places will be filled up with people excited about doing what God wants them to do and serving the Lord. In other words, I'm praying for a year of revival, that the Lord would renew his spirit within us, that he would restore to us the joy of our salvation, that we would return to our first love. Pie in the sky. These visions beyond our reach, I don't think so. I think the promises that God has given that we need to lay hold on and claim as our own. Not based on our own power, our own merits, but based on the merits of Jesus Christ who dwells within us. Have I asked you yet this morning, do you know him? Is he your savior? Does Jesus Christ dwell within? Are all your sins washed away? Do you know for sure if you were to die right now where you would go? You can know. The Bible tells us how. In just a moment, we're going to have a verse of invitation, and I can't think of a better way to start the new year than for someone to come and trust Jesus Christ as Savior. Settle once and for all the the matter of their eternal destiny. But the message primarily this morning has been directed at Christians. My goal has been in part to encourage you to get you a little bit excited about what lies ahead of us. But, folks, honestly, listen, we need to get back to the place where we're willing to do business with God. Be that comfortable or uncomfortable. 
I'll be honest with you. Sometimes the time that I spend with the Lord is not very comfortable time because the Lord's always pricking me with things that need to be changed, the things that need to be more fully yielded to Him. But at the same time, I come out of there challenged. I come out of there excited because I know the Lord is still at work. Is the Lord working in your life? And if He's not, why isn't He? It's not because He doesn't want to. More often than not, it's because I don't want Him to. So I challenge you this morning to look up to the Lord Jesus Christ. Look back on the things that God has brought us through. Look around you at the souls that are still lost and at the work that needs to be done. And good Lord willing, next week I'll talk to you a little bit more about the inward look and the forward look. But for now, I'll ask you please to stand with me with your heads bowed, your eyes closed. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask him to have his purpose, purpose accomplished in our invitation time. Lord, I don't know what you want to do in the hearts and lives of your people this morning. I do thank you that you've brought us here, and I thank you that we've sensed the presence of your spirit here. And Lord, I thank you that you've spoken to me about some things today that need to be remembered and some things that need to be forsaken, and some things that need to be practiced more diligently and more faithfully. You've shown me that I need to be more yielded to your blessed Holy Spirit and obedient to you. And Lord, I pray that you've shown the same thing to many that are assembled here. I pray for those that may be lost this morning. Lord, we draw them to yourself. Help them to see their need of a Savior and help them not to be afraid, but rather to have courage in stepping out and coming to trust you even now. Lord, bless our invitation time. We'll not presume to tell you what to do. Just ask that you'll do it and that you would be honored through it. In Jesus' name.